terrific tool to help you optimize your YouTube videos with Mark Asquith. Welcome to Martech Stacked, episode number two. Brought to you by Content Cal. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain, and each episode I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what Martech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and Martech stack. Joining me today is a man who loves what he does, and what he does happens to be helping podcasters to achieve audio influence. He's a podcaster, TEDx speaker, and content marketer with a background in successful entrepreneurship, startups, and building global marketing agencies. Welcome to my good friend, CEO, and co-founder of Rebel Base Media, Mark Asquith. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right. Thank you. Not bad. Enjoying the sunshine. And uh, I've, uh, this is this is my penultimate appointment for the day. So this is a good way to finish the day, dude. So I'm doing I'm doing better than I was yesterday. It was far It's worse, glorious yeah. weather at the moment, isn't it? No doubt someone will be listening to this when it's absolutely pouring down and cold. <laughs> but uh, hey-ho, you can uh, recall the days that we had. Uh, um, anyway, of course, you can find Mark over at rebelbasemedia.io. So, um, Mark, explain what your business does and how you use marketing technology to make it better? Yeah, good question. So we, it's a funny one because we kind of straddle the line between using marketing technology and creating marketing technology. So we are, um, you know, all that stuff that you mentioned in the intro is great, but apparently now I'm a tech guy. I don't know why, but we just make tech for podcasters. So we make um, a number of tools, you know, we, we make a number of platforms, the primary two that we make uh, Captivate.fm, which is a, a podcast hosting, analytics, and marketing platform, uh, and Productivity, which is interaction tech for podcasters, um, both very squarely in podcasting. And obviously, that's a um, that's kind of a, a, a development from you know transfer. Uh, I guess moving from agency life into kind of semi-technology with podcast websites, which is the business that that we also own uh, in WordPress. Um, and then purely becoming a, a tech company with Rebel Base Media and, and owning these other two platforms. Um, so it's a funny one for us because we use we use marketing tech in a really kind of simplistic way. Like I'm not the deep marketer that I used to be. Like I've, I've had to become more of a product strategist, more of a marketing strategist, um, and think much more like a CMO and much more like a CEO. And that's forced me into really, really using, I think, technology and, and, and ideas and strategies that the CEO and the CMO would use. So that, that since we've spoken last, the role has changed a heck of a lot. So we're using technology and, you know, our marketing stack has changed because our team's tiny, man. You know, we bootstrapped up our platforms, um, in particular Captivate. You know, that's that's something that we bootstrapped up. It's, it's, it's been built just by the two of us, Kieran and I, and then we've recruited a team in. So we've not even yet, despite the growth and the speed of it, we've not even yet got a marketing team. It is me um, doing what I do. So essentially so you use marketing technology so that you don't have to grow so big from a team team size perspective. No, I'd love to have a team. Um, we used <laughs> no, and, and that's just what we're recruiting for right now. You know, we we, we made a very con conscientious decision. Um, I think kind of just to flip this on its head a little bit. The 
I'm never a fan of, of replacing people with tech. I think it's it, everything is supplemental. You know, people supplement tech, tech supplements people. Um, and one of the things that we always said when we when we built Captivate was that we wanted to be very, very prescriptive about the type of people and when we got that type of people. Um, so we planned out the cash flow. We planned out the growth. We were very conservative with that. And we basically said, look, we, rec we can recruit a marketer at this time and we can recruit a designer at this time and rec we can recruit two devs at this time and so on. Um, so no, I, I'm, I'm very much a, um, a people person, you know, so we're just going through that recruitment phase, but right up until this point, you know, the last nine months of Captivate. So we've gone from launch, bootstrap launch, right up to where we are now. And it's only taken nine months, um, to really kind of grow. A lot of that has been, um, I guess relying a little bit on marketing tech, but more so relying on the people, the network you know, kind of really using mm. the personal brand and, and, and using the technology. So looking at um, like research tools to help with networking and things like that, you know, okay. that's where I've been for the last nine months, which is really bizarre. So maybe zeroing in on a specific aspect of your business, you mentioned networking there as well. Is, is that where your primary focus has been in terms of trying to make your business more efficient? And if so, what, what tools do you use at the moment in order to accomplish that? Well, I think the networking side, I've been very, very fortunate to have built a network in podcasting, which is where we sell technology um, over the last few years anyway. So that's been very much me leaning on my connections. Where I've used technology more has been a heck of a lot in researching content, heck of a lot researching very, very simple stuff because we, you know, we were a brand new podcast hosting platform nine months ago. Um, so we had to compete with people that have been around 10 years, you know, so what I've been doing is researching more, a heck of a lot of content and then using the network to kind of validate some of the ideas. So uh, this is going to sound really simple and really, really obvious, but the last nine months I've heavily got back into LinkedIn and actually using LinkedIn as a marketing tool instead of a social network. Um, so doing a lot of strategic research on people, doing a lot of research on, um, Generally, what's been trending in the market, you know, using some of their search tools, some of their um, composure tools to be able to kind of test some articles. Um, so I, I did a lot. You won't be able to see this now because I think I took it offline to move it into our own domain. But early on in Captivate's life cycle, I authored a fair bit of stuff on LinkedIn to test the system and to see what got traction so that then I could focus on that marketing angle um, when it came to actually producing content for the website. So there's been that. The other thing that I've used... Um, a heck of a lot is is um, Robin Kennedy's uh, research tool, survey tool, um, which I completely forget the bloody name of. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible with stuff like that. Um, but we've been doing a lot of surveys. You know, we've been doing a heck of a lot of surveys and really digging into the audience and what content they need, what features they need from platforms, where some of their struggles are. So it's almost been like I've had to take off all the all the hats that I put, like you and I have spoken before about marketing, everything from digital marketing radio, um, right through to some of the big, you know, big marathon live streams that you do at the end of each year. I've had to take all those hats off and go right mm. back to basics, which is actually a really interesting exercise to do. Um, because people, people tend to, this is my view. People tend to sometimes like buy or think that more is better when it comes to the quantity of tools that you use. Like, you know, the season sure. fantasy. I saw someone today uh, talking about using um, a, a new note taking app. And I was just thinking like, why bother? Because it's not going to help you. It's just a, it's a nice pat yourself on the back way of feeling busy for a day. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a back to basics approach, dude, which is 
I know probably not what you want from the content perspective, but it's it's been really eye-opening, man. No, but I, I want to dig into what you're doing and why what you're doing is effective. And obviously you mentioned going back to LinkedIn there as well. And that's interesting to me because I had a conversation with Lucas Zelesny uh, recently as well. And he's saying his preferred social platform at the moment is LinkedIn. He's getting back into that as well. Do you have a pro account? And do you link LinkedIn up with other software to use for CRM as well? So... Again, back to basics. I cancelled my pro account last year. We used to have all the all the workflows and we used to link it into our CRM system. Um, so we used to use Zoho for that. Um, but as we became more of a software company, it became, um, it became less about nurturing people through that process and almost striking while the iron's hot. Um, so what I tend to do with that one is I'll do um, very strategic research on the type of people that we might want to work with. Not now, not six months down the line, not even 12 months, but I'm talking like a year, two years. So we've been doing a lot of business planning. Um, and I've just basically gone through and, and, and made, like it might even still be on my board behind me, um, a list of strategic partners that we want to build relationships with and really gone through that. Um, and done that from a, a, a kind of a two-sided approach. So partners that we want to work with, but also very key customers because it's software, you know, it is SaaS, it's software mm. as a service. It's not like you pitch to people, you know, you just don't need to do that as much as you would in anything else. It's the software kind of sells itself, but there are certain key customers that you want to get on. So I've been using it a lot for that. Um, <clears throat> and then the other piece of kit that I mentioned earlier was Response Suite. That's Robin Kennedy's software, which I've right, okay. um, been using that a heck of a lot. And then the last thing that I've been using, um, which has been, kind of bringing together it sits at the middle of in the, the middle of everything which is um mapping out a lot of funnel work with something like geru or with funnelytics so we've been doing a lot of kind of really early stage planning on things to map out actually okay let's assume very simply we've got two markets you know but podcasters that haven't launched podcasters that have launched what do those landing pages look like what do the funnels look like um, what data do we need from them? What what amount of traffic do we need to throw into each funnel based on the surveys that we've done and based on some of the conversations that we've had with people on LinkedIn and the strategic partners? So that's how I've, honestly, that's how I've built the, the platform. That's how we've built the business. And like I said, it really is like a back to basics, dude. It sounds a lot like account-based marketing, and and that's is a is a buzzword now for effective marketing for B two B brands, and it's all about just identifying the top hundred or so businesses you want to work with, and then defining a plan, a content marketing plan to build relationships with those people, and hopefully, I guess they'll be more comfortable with you as a brand, and then reach out to you. Do, do you actually do the reaching out to them, or do you? publish great content and make sure they see it and hope that they reach out to you? So our audience is 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 people that want to host their podcast. You know, it's a pure um, yeah. numbers game with that one. So all the content we create is for those guys. Um, what we do in terms of the influencer and the account marketing and the kind of, the, the, I guess, for us, what we don't want to become is a, a sales company where we're, like you see a lot of podcast hosting platforms that have to sell ads or they have mm -hmm. to sell big enterprise accounts and they become pitch machines. Like that sounds like it's more suited to them. For us, the outreach that we've done to influencers is very, very clear in that um, if we have a set of features, so for example, like we know a lot of people want to live stream, but then they will do something in podcasting as well. So you might get someone like Sean Cannell or someone like Nick Nimmin that wants to do something on YouTube, which is their entire channel, but they want to do something else in podcasting. Those will be the guys that we strategically work with 
and that we reach out to. We won't do content with them, but what we will do is highlight a feature set that makes their lives easier. Um, and we'll do a heck of a lot of that and say, actually, what kind of people would they attract in it? We'll be kind of people like them that are, that are wanting to um, maybe repurpose from YouTube instead of fresh record a podcast episode. So we that's when we then go back through to the um, the survey funnel and start to say things like, right, okay, what are the you know what are the barriers to you creating a podcast instead of just doing YouTube? And inevitably you get the same answers, and and, and you know we start building the content up from there. But the content is always aimed at the end user. It's always aimed at the podcaster that's ready to pay twenty bucks, a hundred bucks, you know, whatever, five hundred bucks a month for the hosting. Um, so it's for for us, it's very much uh, because we've just come out of launch. You know, what we did was pick some key influencers. For example, like in the UK, like Andrew and Pete, content marketers, mm. they have people on their books that want to learn content marketing for their business. So we do strategic partnerships with them. Um, and we'll work heavily on like people like Gavin Bell, people like yourself, people like, um, like Ian Anderson Gray. He was the yeah. first Captivate user ever, apart from me. Right. Um, because he's got a big live streaming audience and I could, you know, I could work with him on what his audience and what he would specifically want. Um, so it's been a real personal approach and we're just at the point now. So the reason that I think this is probably an interesting time to chat is that we're just at the point now where we've got to automate this stuff or we've got to start using more tools as we recruit in, like we're just starting the recruitment process now for our, um, our first dedicated marketer. Um, at which point so, so you have, you have mentioned a few tools there already. You've mentioned Geru, you've mentioned, was it Response Suites? I, th I think was the mm -hmm. name of the survey um, software you're talking about there as well. Obviously you talked about LinkedIn there as well. Um, but I think another tool as well would obviously link to all of the tools you mentioned within the show notes. But for everyone that I talk to here for the Martech Stack podcast, what we're trying to do is identify the top three pieces of Martech software, the most important pieces of Martech software in, in businesses. So for you, for the software that we've talked about already and perhaps bringing in other bits of software, what would you say is the number three, number two, and number one piece of Martech software that you're using at the moment? I mean, apart from Captivate, which is a podcast platform we've got. Um, <laughs> which The reason that I say that's Martech is that it is, it's very analytics-driven. You know, it gives you a lot of insights yeah. that hosting companies don't. So that that's a given. Like, I've got to say that. Do, 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 um, does Captivate tie nicely together with other software as well? For instance, do you have um, a, a really nice sequence that you can um, offer marketers and tie Captivate into something else, another bit of software from somewhere else that um, is, is likely to enhance what you're, you're producing? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and a lot of the, so number one, yes, we've got a solid API for that. So we work with a lot of people okay. on integrations, which is great. Um, but we also, you know, the product that we're developing and, and, and the next phase of the product is very much aimed at people that are already marketers and want more insights into data. I mean, you've posted a podcast forever, you know, you know what data you get from hosts. That's not yeah. the data you get from Captivate. You get all that data, but as we move forward, you get more insights. You get everything that you'd expect to see as a marketer. Um, but I think my, my number three tool, and, and I'm saying this purely from the perspective of, of using it that very much, is response suite. Like the amount of data, pure qualitative data, which helps shape products and helps you really dial in your content. You know, that has been an absolute lifesaver. So I, I, I've got and, it. And just, just looking into response suite then, why did you choose that bit of software instead of another survey, uh, survey piece of software that you could have used instead? Well, there were two reasons. Primarily, Robin Kennedy, I know them very well from just being around them. And they've spent a lot of time um, figuring out how I could use response suite. 
and understanding my migration needs, my input needs, and and and, and what I need from that product. Um, and the, the 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 second reason that we chose that is just because. Like it gives us the flexibility to do a heck of a lot of stuff. So what I mean by that is that all the exports are just very easily done. So we can manipulate the data really easy. It's very simple stuff. But a lot of the tools that we looked at just don't give you the ability to really get a cross section of your data and really dig into where you need to be. Um, because it's, you know what it's like? A lot of it's qualitative stuff. Like how do you sure. quantify qualitative data? So that's what that's why I really like Response Suite. Um, and the guys are okay. great. You know, the support second to none. So what's your number two bit of software? I think that's got to be Funalytics. Um, so the, the the ability for me to be able to, as someone that's very busy running a, and building a SaaS company, you know, building software and, and, and looking at what tiny bits of optimi optimization we can do um, just to make sure that we are completely dialed in on what converts and how we can up the retention rates and not lose people um, after day one, after day two, after day three, you know, but th that has been absolutely vital for us because we've been able to break down um, a lot of the qualitative stuff that we got through from response suite. We've been able to design a lot of stuff in Funalytics that allows us to push the right people with the right messaging down the right place at the right time. Um, a lot of marketers that I see, certainly like newer marketers that are building software, like very many of them don't come from a marketing background. And my marketing knowledge, frankly, is becoming rustier as time goes on because I'm focused on building um, the team and the product right now. And I think because many people are in that situation, they go into creating funnels, they go into creating marketing, they go into creating content without planning anything. So they'll stick a landing page up. <clears throat> they'll assume that it will work. They'll not account for any attrition. They won't account for any drop-offs. They'll assume that when someone lands on the page, that's their purchase intent is sewn up and ready to go. So we've used Funalytics not only for me to be able to plan all that stuff, but it's been really useful to educate the team, especially early on, when you know when you've when you've built a product, it, it becomes very clear to say, well, you just put it out there and it sells. You know, so for a lot of the engineers, a lot of the support team, a lot of the experience team. They don't know about marketing. They've got no need to know about marketing in any depth. So to be able to illustrate that and say, well, look, right, the reason that we're spending time on this is so that we can funnel traffic into here. And this is theoretically what should happen, which results in this number of users, which is what we want, as you can see. Um, so that has been vital, you know, that especially pre-COVID where we were actually in the office and be able to, you know, able to share things um, <laughs> and get around a screen and get around the whiteboard. You know, that it's been absolutely vital, man. Yeah. And again, similar kind of question, why did you choose that bit of software instead of a competing bit of software? Why was Funalytics better than other software? I just think their marketing is decent. Like they retarget the backside off me, mate. So I'm, okay. you know, when I'm on Instagram, I'll get some ads today. I've got no doubt after this. I'm just thinking, well, this is <laughs> all right. Fair play. I'll give you a whirl. Like it's just, it's funnel software. You know, the interface is mm. nice. The pricing's fair. Um, and the marketing was just very good. So you know, <laughs> what's your number one piece of MarTech software that you're using at the moment? Uh, right now, it's and there are a lot of there are a lot of um, there are a lot of almost made it, but right now it has to be TubeBuddy. Um, so we've been doing a lot with with YouTube, very very nascent YouTube channel, very very early days. Um, mm. But we've got sort of an, an 
inimitable brand approach to podcasting and the way that we set our messaging out, the way that we put everything out there in terms of um, the the way we position the brand is very, very specific. And YouTube's an ideal sort of thing. Like, you know me, you know, you've yeah. we've done all sorts of work together. You know what I'm like, you know, YouTube is the best medium for me to be on outside of a podcast. Um, sure. So being able to use TubeBuddy and work with Rob and the team, like we sp- I was with Rob at Social Media Marketing World and um, he and, and, and Nick and a few of the guys, we were just talking about, you know, is it worth really getting into YouTube properly? And we came back and we did and we've started it with Ernest and it's really starting to pay some dividends. Um, and working with Rob and the TubeBuddy team has just been fantastic. Like what I love about TubeBuddy is it kind of, it gives you a very, a strong way to be proactive about your YouTube marketing. So you can say, right, I have to do these X amount of things pre-video or pre-channel release or whatever. So keyword research, title research. But it's also yeah. very um, it's also very good at the whole, dude, you forgot to do this thing and you forgot to do this thing and you forgot to do this thing. So it, like things like split testing thumbnails or like crazy stuff like pinning a mm. comment. Um and then obviously the analytics are fantastic. The insights that you get on your YouTube channel, I think, are second to none. Um, and again, I, I like people- how you're getting more serious about video as well, because you did an, an unboxing video recently, and uh, I think that was great. Your your setup's obviously more professional. You, you've thought about your background as well, or the quality of the video really is, is is there as well. I've actually got access to a Tube um, Tube Buddy um, account as well, and I remember I signed up years ago. I think I think it was an app. Um, AppSumo promotion, and I haven't used it that much, but you, you'd certainly recommend someone who is relatively active on YouTube to, to, to be using TubeBuddy all the time. Well, I think even if you if you are like us, very you know very much a nascent YouTube channel, very very early stage, you know I know YouTube and I know I know basics of how the algorithm works and what it's looking for, <clears throat> but this really you know it really gives me what I need, and I'm not like my goal is not to be an expert YouTube marketer. My goal, because I run the company, is to be able to have enough knowledge of everything to be able to make educated decisions. And TubeBuddy allows me to do that. TubeBuddy it allows me to really say, right, here are the goals that I've got. Here's the quickest, lowest friction way of doing some research. It's going to remind me through the process of all the stuff that I've done wrong, because you better believe there'll be some stuff I've done wrong. And then there will be the follow-up, you know, the, the the reactive stuff around the analytics, like I said, and, and the kind of, um, some of the prompts that you get are really, really good. And what I really like about this, you'll probably appreciate a little bit as well, that it builds itself into the DOM. So you're on YouTube, it inserts elements into the actual DOM itself. So on the sidebar of YouTube, you get all of the TubeBuddy tools. So it's not like, yeah. wait a second, I need another app or I need another extension or whatever. The extension embeds itself into the DOM, into the, the hierarchy of the page. Um, so it's one of those tools that you've, you, you kind of forget that you've got it. It's almost like the internet. You take it for granted, but the second it goes down, you're like, wait a sec, where's that thing that I lean on all the time gone? Um, so yeah, you've got to use it, man. Where does YouTube then fit into your overall content marketing strategy? Because obviously you, you, you're producing a lot of content, obviously producing a lot of podcasts as well. YouTube, probably other areas as well. Um, what's your your workflow in terms of producing videos and what's the intention behind them? Um, is it is it brands? Is it another type of content that you're primarily publishing on there? And what are you hoping to do with the traffic that finds you on YouTube? So we've got four types of, of, of video that we put out. Um, we've got company stuff, like when we did the IAB certification last week. Um, 
that's company news. That's great. You know, someone Googles IAB certification. Theoretically, we want to be coming up for that sort of thing. Um, the other types of content that we put out there are educational content, ed educational pieces of content. So very short form, like what is a podcast host? What is an mm. RSS feed? We're still very early days with it. Um, and the goal of that content is to be able to repurpose it. I'll do a podcast episode on it and I will do a, um, a blog post on it or one of the team eventually, thankfully, will do a, a blog post on it. Um, and it becomes just this nice multi-channel strategy, but with one focus, which is not to have to keep producing stuff. You know, it's we do one thing and we repurpose, but it's, it's repurposed properly for the channel. Um, the other stuff that we put out there is we'll very much do, we're very big on opinion pieces, like predictive opinion pieces. So my, <clears throat> excuse me, my personal brand in podcasting is that British podcast guy, that straight talking guy that's going to drop an F-bomb. And if he thinks it's rubbish, he's going to tell you it's rubbish. And everything that we do is very fairly appraised, but it's always very straight talking. So we use YouTube and um, the Rebel Base Media blog in particular we use that for like what's Apple doing next in podcasting. So that's very much positional stuff. It's very much the, you know, Apple aren't going to drop you a, an email saying good piece if you're posting about what is an RSS feed, you know. So it's this becomes strategic. It becomes building friendships and genuine relationships for the long term. Um, so we use it for that sort of stuff um, and really for product demos as well, you know. So we, we get into the realm now of doing more product demos. Sure. Um, and, and obviously industry news as well. So you see, what's interesting about that actually, David, is that we use, <clears throat> excuse me, we use all of our channels in the same way. So my show, The Podcast Accelerator, three times a week, it's a podcast, it's it's uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, less than 10 minutes an episode. And you will get the same mix of content in there, education, straight talking reactions to industry news, tutorials, and like opinions. Like I had a right old rant today, a right old rant. And the YouTube channel, the blog, they will all follow that format. Um, so mm. we found some buckets of content that work really well. Obviously, we work with the SEO guys and um, work with our new You marketer. touched on keyword phrases for YouTube as well there. And how easy are you, actually, are you actually finding it to rank videos for competitive keyword phrases that you want to drive traffic for? Because, I mean, five years ago or so, I was ranking very competitive keyword um, phrases on YouTube, things like digital marketing. I had a video number one on YouTube for the phrase digital marketing for a while. But my sense is that it's more difficult to do now, partly because maybe the algorithm's changed, maybe there's more competition on there. Are, are you actually managing to successfully rank your videos high for your, your target keyword phrases? Short answer, yes, but it's a bit more complicated than that one because I think you're right. You know, five years ago, it was a lot different. Inevitably, just like Google was back in 08, 09, and things change. And I think with YouTube, certainly what we've seen is that we're finding, obviously, longer tail keywords are going to be more um, useful to us because we can, we can use them slightly further down the funnel. Um, but for the broader terms, that is becoming very, very difficult. And what you're starting to see, I mean... I'm saying starting to see like it's happened forever. Um, there are a hell of a lot of people now getting into our space and creating videos where they've had a channel that talked about something else. And now they're like, wait a second, podcasting's kicking off. I'm going to do a, a channel or a couple of videos or 10 videos or a playlist about podcasting. Those guys are ranking so they can generate affiliate revenue. So it's, mm. it's, it's just becoming like every other search medium. Um, <clears throat> we are finding that the first week or so we rank for the broad terms then we kind of settle in a little bit um and we you know we we, we we're finding that we're usually for our target key phrases 
if we're not at the top, we're usually like a third of the way down. It's like we can't seem to get that middle ground. It's like we're, yeah. we're just just kind of a third of the way down. Um, but obviously, it's a really new channel. Do you try and seed traffic? Because I, I remember, again, a few years ago, what, what I used to do was uh, try and drive as much traffic from other places, from actually mm -hmm. at the time StumbleUpon ads used to be really good. Um, also driving traffic from my email list, then asking people to like it to comment on it initially and i found that initial traction would drive strong signals to youtube and youtube would be more likely to rank it highly to begin with for competitive phrases in the title as always well. is that something that you've done yeah so we do do that one of the challenges with us um is that because we send so many bits of communication out like there might be transactional emails we sent for the platform there might be emails about some of the community stuff we do on our Facebook groups, the private group for the users. Um, our challenge with that, and because we produce a lot of content every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for my show, Thursday for a YouTube, you do a blog every week because it's a lot of content that we need to get out. The challenge with that is fatiguing people via like email or, or um, yeah. you know, whatever sharing platforms we use, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or whatever. We're finding that's a bit of a challenge at the minute. So we're just refactoring some of our email processes. And again, we're fortunate enough to have a new marketing person on the books coming shortly um, who can really take a hold of that. But short answer, yes. And we do see that like we had the first video on on um, on YouTube about a new podcasting tool that came out and it ranked really, really well. We sent a lot of signals to YouTube. It did really, really well. And then someone else came out with, they copied the exact title, right. almost verbatim the description the video was the same content, but they had many, many more followers and obviously they got the top spot. So we're in that like kind of annoying phase at the minute where you're thinking, oh, obviously I know I can do this and we've got the right content, but we just don't have the channel yet. We've got to build yeah. that. Um, Take, takes a while. It's, it's so, funny to start from scratch with that, man, to be fair. I know, I know. Look, I, I'm kind of doing the same as well. I mean, I've had a YouTube channel in the past that's been semi-successful, had something like 6,000 subscribers on it, but I haven't posted on it for years. And um, thinking of starting up the medium again, and actually thinking of starting with a completely different channel you know, on there as well. And there are, there are pros and cons with that. But look, bring the conversation back to your business and specifically what you're thinking of doing with marketing technology. As your business is actually growing, What's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using MarTech in the future? So one of the basics that we're not very good at at the minute is is real deep segmentation of, of, of leads versus users when it comes to email marketing and, and a lot more. Like we use Intercom, uh, which is fantastic, but we're not using that to its fullest extent. We're not using uh, Aweb, the email marketing platform, to its fullest extent. So that's one of the things that it's none of it's new tech, none of it's shiny, exciting tech. It's just really solid tech that we know will work, but we're not using it to its fullest extent because it's just been me and Kieran building the platform out. And we've kind of got the just the basics in place. So that's one thing that we really need to overhaul. And, we, you know, that's that's on the roadmap for the next quarter to really dial into that um, and dig into a lot more segmentation. Like we know, we know the types of people in podcasting. We know the types of people starting podcasts. Our job is to segment them a lot better, and we are we're not doing that well enough at the minute. Okay, okay. Um, here's a question that came from my discussion with Lucas that I have. So, um, what is something that you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology that perhaps doesn't even exist yet, but you would love to see created? That's a good question. My, I think one of my challenges has always been um, like n genuine networking like genuine in-person networking. And I feel that tech, even though LinkedIn exists, like tech 
has, has really focused on mass marketing, you know, big data, huge numbers so that you can analyze every little detail of it. I don't, I, I don't think that the personal side of it, if you think about small business, you know, you think about an agency, you think about a marketing platform, you think about an SEO company, you think about a video production house, businesses that are easily capable of turning over four or five million a year with only a handful of high quality clients. I think there's, there's something missing there. I've always found it a challenge to find this. And I know the CRMs exist, but some way of actually working out from where I am outwards and say, right, here are the business, like you said earlier, the hundred businesses that I want in this area, here's a way of me fully connecting with them, but really pulling all of their data into one place. Mm. Like here are all the Facebook bits of data. Here's, but then here's what I've done with these people. Here's a new podcast fed in that they've released. Here's their most recent stuff so that you've got a real picture up to the minute every single day ready to go for when you start to see these people. And I know that, again, I know that's not like a sexy look at this, let's solve a huge problem, but I, I often find with technology and marketing in particular that we do focus on the online. Um, mm. And there are some, there are just some cracking businesses that are at half a million or 400 grand that could go to a million and a half, two million with some tiny little tweaks to that process because that's really, really difficult. Listen, mate, I could sit here discussing this kind of topic or any kind of topic with you all day, I'm sure. But um, I just want to thank you for your, your, your time and your tips today. You've, you've shared so much. Do you, you, is there any last takeaway that you'd like to share with our listener? And of course, um, uh, let everyone um, know where they can find out more about you and, and, and what you do. I think the advice is like it was, I think the last time we spoke, maybe around Christmas time, which is like pick your battles when it comes to, and I'm talking here to the small businesses and to the, the startups, you know, pick your battles. You know, I don't think we live in this omni-channel world anymore when it comes to small business and startup. I think we've got to pick the channels and we can only become omni-channel. We can only have these, these huge strategies and these huge production um, processes when we get bigger and we can actually do that. So I think... We've got to really pick the data that matters to us. We've got to really pick the things that we can control right now and focus on those. And, you know, we live in that world of gratification, instant gratification. We live in a world of oversharing where you start to see a competitor or you start to see another startup in a different niche doing something that you perceive is better than you or that is having much more growth than you. Um, and it's easy to lose track of that. So that's just a reminder that I give to all the startups that I mentor and everyone that I talk to. Like, focus on the data that you can move in the right direction and just pick the things that you can affect and just work really hard for a lot longer than you think you need to on moving those numbers up. Wonderful thoughts. And of course, where can people get hold of you online? Well, thank you, sir. Always a pleasure to chat. Um, just hit me up on Twitter at Mr. Asquith. That's the easiest way. Just We can have a chat over there. All, I don't want to give all the websites. Just tweet me at Mr. Asquith. <laughs> Thanks again, mate. Great episode. Thank you, sir. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal, plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus check out all the other MarTech Stack Show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to this show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again.